0: What's up, my friends? You are listening to the Modern Man Podcast. My name is Nate Palmer. I'm host of the Low Carb Hustle Podcast, where we help high-performing individuals get lean for life by bringing you the best tips, strategies around nutrition and training. Check out episode 81. We dive deep on intermittent fasting versus prolonged fasting, which one is right for you for fat loss results. Now, get excited because you're about to hear an amazing episode of the Modern Man Podcast with the legend, Ted Phaeton. Here we go. What's going on, guys? Ted Faden here, host of The Modern Man Podcast. First, thank you for listening. And just really quick, I wanted to make sure I warned you about some explicit content that's included in this episode. I still think it's a message that you need to hear, so I'm happy to share it. But just wanted to give you a heads up. You might find some of the language offensive. And if you are sensitive to that, I won't take offense if you decide to skip it. If not, I think you'd really enjoy the content. So thank you for your support and enjoy the episode. Yeah. What's going on guys welcome back to another episode of the modern man podcast where we are here to connect men in pursuit of their potential we do so by embracing discomfort cultivating community and putting wind in each other's sails to unlock potential and we're getting a lot of wind in our sails from my guest masculinity coach dylan Roos, originally from australia joining us from the great state of hawaii dylan man how you doing I'm um, very well. Thank you. Very, very excited to jump into this conversation with you. Looking forward to it all weekend, all week. My, me too, man. I'm, I'm excited for this. And, and of course, I know I love giving the audience and the guests a moment to kind of get acquainted really quick. And I love allowing the guests to introduce themselves really in their own words, to kind of give the elevator pitch on where they're from, what they do. So, so please, the floor is yours. I'd love for you to have that opportunity. Awesome, man. Yeah, so
1: I'm a masculinity coach, and I got into this work really because of a few pivotal points in my in my life uh, as an 18 and 20 year old. But really, as a general statement, I guess looking at at the general population of men and just going, what's going on with men at the moment? You know, what is We're sicker than we've ever been. We've got, you know, really poor mental health and that's the worst it's ever been. Obesity rates, divorce rates, and just overall levels of fulfillment and happiness. We're like at an all-time low. And so I was, you know, 25, I think I was, or 26, and I, my partner at the time was running was running yoga events. And so I'd tag along and I'd, it'd be me and one other guy in a room full of women, And I'm like, why, like, you know, why are men not taking care of themselves? Like, why are we not doing these things? Like, yoga's great, and met my mom's a meditation teacher, but like, what's going on? So, from there, I, I started a business in Melbourne, Australia, with my dad, where we challenged corporate men, so CEOs, directors, managers, around their wellness, and we created the the Ruse Men's Wellness Leadership Club. And so, mm. our first event was like a fifty guy breakfast. We did yoga, meditation, and had a couple of business speakers. And it was great. 50 guys like doing yoga. It was like, you've never seen them before. Just a room full <laughs> of men doing yoga. It was great. And so we did like five or six events and then COVID hit, event spaces shut down. I ran another business in the men's space, which I've just recently stepped away from. And then I developed my work working with young men in my Prince to King program. And again, it was just about like, how can I give back? How can I impact young men? I knew what it was like to go through that Difficult transition from boyhood into manhood, mm. and there was no one really giving that support. No one, we, we've lost touch in the rites of passage that boys used to go through for thousands of years, and we don't have that in modern culture anymore. So I'm really passionate about this work as a masculinity coach, and. You know, I was really grateful that I grew up with amazing male role models in my life. Mm. My parents were really good role models in themselves, but I'm sure you can remember what it was like being a teenager. You'd stop listening to mum and dad pretty quick. Yeah. But I had good role models around me. My dad was a professional athlete and I was able to be surrounded by like some of Australia's best athletes and and just good people though. And that really helped me on my journey and so – for me to be able to step into that role now as as a twenty eight year old and and mentor these young men, I'm just really grateful and really
0: humble. Yeah, I mean, it's something that something you touched on, and and I mean the male role model being so important. And you mentioned the rite of passage, and and I remember reading somewhere, and it resonated with me so much where it says, you know, women are born, men are made, and mm. so many of us as boys look for that validation that we're a man. And unfortunately, sometimes we look for that validation in self-deprecating ways, right? Mm -hmm. And we might look for the biggest, baddest person at the bar and try and get into a fight to prove ourselves, or we end up really, really honing in on business or athletics. And we use we use the identity of our business or the identity of an athlete to propel ourselves into this image of manhood, but we haven't been taught really or guided really into that transition from boy to manhood. Why is it so important for us to have those role models, those male role models kind of usher us through that threshold and kind of depict for us how to do that? Well,
1: you want to get really good at business. You want to you want to be... Millionaire and entrepreneur, whatever you're going to go and find someone who's already done that. So you're going to go and find a business coach. You're going to go and surround. You know, maybe you reach out to your parents, network, and say, "Hey, who do you know that's done really well in business? I need to learn." You want to get into the gym and get healthy. You go to a PT or you go to a friend of yours who's really fit and healthy. You go, "Hey, man, can you? How did you get fit and healthy? Let let me go." The same thing applies for masculinity and being a man. You know, Mm -hmm. we need a blueprint that we look at and. This isn't even an option. We do it anyway. We do it subconsciously. It's just who are we modeling our behavior off of? Mm -hmm. So no matter what, you are modeling your behavior off, whether it be your father and, okay, what kind of man was your father? Was was he a good male role model or was he flawed like everyone? And and did he pass down some unhealthy ideas around what it meant to be a man? Did you have no father and were you raised in a single mother home? Mm -hmm. Okay, what how did that impact you and what were the men that replaced that father figure for you? Because again, it's not an option. It's happening. You're modeling your behavior off of something. So parents' responsibility to put in place good male role models around their around their boys, especially in teenage years. And for those listening, because I'm such a big proponent of personal responsibility, but then when you get older and you get to 2022 20, and you start to realize these things and have these things, oh man, I didn't have many good male role models and maybe I'm not showing up as the man that I could be. Then it is your responsibility to now go and seek out those role models yourself.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've mentioned mm-hmm. kind of, we see the tragedy of of young boys joining gangs. And the reality is I talk about, you know, young boys, typically look up to someone they can identify with or see themselves in and unfortunately Mm. if they come from a father's home or an absent father and they see sure they might see some examples on tv with athletes and things like that but that person on the corner driving a bmw might be the the image of success Mm. in their young minds so they pursue this and for us being older or separated from it could be like oh how do they not know better but yeah. you're so right because when you're looking for a path or a pocket to be in in the world, we tend to go right into what we identify with, and unfortunately, mm. it's not always always the best thing.
1: And the gangs, like gangs, have rites of passage, so yeah. they actually they actually understand this need that young boys have. It's like okay, young boys want to be there's there's a drive like we as men, our biggest driver is I want to be a man. Like that is one of our biggest drivers. And you mm-hmm. look at the insults we throw at each other. You're a sissy. You throw like a girl. You're a pussy. You're weak. You're a fag. Like all the insults are meant to take away your manhood. You know, like you've got a tiny dick, you know, all these things like take away your manhood. That's where we attack men. Yeah. And so we have this strong driving force of like, I want to be a man and I have to be a man. And so gangs understand this. Perfectly well, what like gangs are a brotherhood, and Mm -hmm. then you come in and you have to prove yourself. And once you prove yourself, we'll take a bullet for you. And that's like you know, that's real, that's powerful. And I think people dismiss the power of that. Now, it's our now, that's not healthy, obviously. That's not good. Don't go and join a gang because it's (laughs) brotherhood, but we need to find our brotherhood. We need to find men around us that are going to hold us to a higher standard. They're going to take us through an initiation process of, okay, you're a boy, now you're a man. And really it's, and I'm reading this great book at the moment. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, From Boys to Men mm. by Brett Stevenson. And I was just reading it this morning before I jumped on. And like some of the statistics now, especially in America, it's really, it's really sad, like, what what's going on with our boys and and what's going on with the young men in America and it's yeah. such a complicated issue but I really truly believe it's the breakdown of masculinity. Yeah. It's for the past twenty years at least. I'm I'm twenty eight so at least for the last twenty years, what have we heard everywhere? Toxic masculinity, like and just this attack on masculinity and people get upset. They're like, oh, this attack on masculinity, but it. Uh-uh. it has been a full-on attack on masculinity. Now, sure, you go back 20 years ago, maybe it started from a good place of we want to uphold the standards of men and we want men to show up better. Right? Yeah. I will get 100% behind that message. But then the the way we've gone about it and like this, this guise of toxic masculinity and breaking it down is good for men. It's really not because... What, and I just spoke about this recently. I said, "Like, there's three reasons that I, I don't ever use the term toxic masculinity in my work because mm-hmm. these three reasons. One, immediately it, it puts men's guards up. So whether it's right or wrong to use the language, it just immediately kind of goes, oh, you hear it. And even me, I've been doing this work for like five years. Even I hear it and I'm like, well, what do you, what, yeah, what, you know, I immediately, I'm like, fiss up, you know, Hold like, on. <laughs> and I've been doing the work, like and a lot of men aren't. So Immediately just puts men out of the conversation. And what we need is we need men in this conversation. So there's that. Secondly, I say, what do we do with toxic waste? Like it's radioactive. We we quarantine, it. you can't touch, you can't do anything. That's not the case with our psyche. You can't you can't just say there's parts of us that are toxic and and reject them and quarantine them and mm. shame them. Like it's not that's not healthy and that's not going to get you your desired outcome of. Men taking responsibility, owning up, becoming better versions of themselves, and then the third reason that I that I don't use it is because it has really shifted the meaning behind it, and I don't like blanket statements because when you say it, you might have really good intentions. You might be like, "Oh, Dylan, I use toxic to masculinity and this and and I'm like, "Great, man, I actually agree with what you just said," yeah. but then I can hear someone else say it and it means a completely different thing. And then someone else said it completely. So I don't like anything that's that blankets because it immediately comes with preconceptions of what I mean when I say those words. Mm-hmm. So what I say is I say wounded masculinity, you know, mm-hmm. wounded because what can we do with wounds? We can heal them. Okay. All right, cool. And I'm not attacking you either. I'm not saying you're toxic. I'm just saying, man, you're hurting. What's yeah. going on, brother? You know, talk to me. And that's what we want. That was the goal 20 years ago whatever. That was the goal. So, I think people need to just really drop that that language if we want to get the outcome. If you want to just argue and be try to be right and get caught up in a fight, you're just going to continue using that word. But if you want to like heal men and then heal society, we we have to stop using it.
0: Yeah, and I always identify it as you know sort of the the expression of masculinity could be positive or negative, much like mm-hmm. the number one, the number one consumer of explosives or purchaser of explosives is the US Army, number two being Walt Disney World, right? It's the same thing, but one uses it for destruction while the other one uses it for fireworks to incite joy, happiness, and bring magic to the world. Yeah. So could we say the substance itself is toxic or it's the the use mm-hmm. of it, right? And you're so right in terms of for for some of us to think this part of me, this this Thing, I need to suppress it or I need to, to ignore it. And mm. unfortunately what happens when you suppress something for, for too long, yeah. it blows up even more aggressive than it should yeah. <laughs> because we've held it down so long. What do you think the biggest struggles we're facing with that is in terms of, I guess, acknowledging our, our masculinity, mm. I call it kind of, you know, some of us as men are almost afraid of the only, the only, like our own power. what we're Mm. capable of, right? We know what we're capable of, therefore we suppress it, where Mm. though it's something that some folks might say is capable of so much bad, it's just as much capable of so much good in the world. And we're robbing Mm. the world of that good by completely dismissing it. Yeah. Man, I could take this in a few
1: different ways (laughs) because I love this conversation. And I think- you're absolutely right. Men are suppressing themselves. And I go, and again, I don't want to harp too long on the toxic masculinity pace, but like we had a lot of we had a lot of good men, a lot of bad men. Men got attacked. And so the good men kind of saw that and was like, okay, I'm gonna stop being this masculine leader in the community, people don't want that anymore. And so they either did one of two things. They either completely suppressed and changed, and that was still for the worse of society, or they just retreated and they said, I'm just going to look after my own kingdom. I'm going to look after my yeah. family. Hey, you guys, the world's crazy right now. And so they just backed off. And that, again, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that really hurt society. But I love what you said in your intro. You mentioned Facing uncomfortability, or you said embracing discomfort. Embracing discomfort—that is the disease of today—is comfort. Mm. That is that is why we're sick. That's why we're fat. That's why we're going through divorces. It's because of comfort. And you look at it in in all the language. You look at it in all majority of conversations nowadays. It's like, ah, oh, Ted, I'm I'm depressed, man. How do I feel better? How do I feel good? And it's like, well, the actual answer is counterintuitive. If you want to work on your mental health and feel good, you need to go and do hard shit, especially men. Like, Because that mm. was the other thing you said, men are made, 100% we're made. And so we now live in a culture that is so comfortable that we are no longer used to pain and discomfort. And because we're no longer used to it, we no longer seek it out either. And mm. so this morning I get up, 6 a.m. I go, I meditate, I journal, and I had a podcast at 7 a.m. my time. And it was like 6.40. And I was like, I wanted to go for a run. I was like, ah, do I have time to go for a run at 6.40? I was like, it's only going to be like a 10-minute run. Well, okay, I do have time. So what am I doing here? I'm just trying to come up with an excuse to not run. Yeah. All right, so I pull my shoes and I go run. It was a hard decision. It was a hard run. And now I'm going to feel great for the rest of the day. Now I'm going to feel good because I did the hard thing in the morning. And you've touched on the disease of modern times is is comfort because we're no longer running, exercising, journaling, meditating, doing the work, listening to podcasts, getting a coach, sitting in ceremony, like doing rituals. It's just comfort. It's like, what do you want to do with your boys? Let's go get drunk and try to fuck women. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like hundred years ago, it was like, sure, maybe let's go for a few beers or a few drinks, but let's, talk and have a conversation or like a hundred years ago life sucked. So everything was discomfort, you know, like everyone had it hard a hundred years ago. So it helped us, you know, feel good about ourselves at the end of the day. Wow, I just spent nine hours in the mines working. I feel Mm -hmm. that was shit, but I feel good about myself because I'm putting food on the table for my family.
0: Yeah. I mean, and some of the bonding that was built in that is, is you had men that went through hard things together and that right. built relationships. And something I, I touched on a while ago was the thing is you know, men need community because, you know, I've had a friend who might have seen something traumatic in their line of work as a first responder and man, they just can't get it out of their head. They're like, man, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. And they call a buddy of theirs who, who was on the scene of that crime with them and they grab a drink, just a beer, not something overindulgent. And it's just like, man, you know, this has been on my mind. And they're like, you know, man, I, I've been thinking about that too. And mm-hmm. what's crazy about the interaction is that might not solve it, but the amazing transition of understanding you're not alone in that journey yeah, almost kind of like eases some weight off of your shoulder, mm-hmm. right? Like our problems are on our own. My stress is not my own and the things I'm going through in life is not unique to just me. And here's somebody yeah. else who I might look up to revere as a man who's going through the same thing. And that almost gives me a sense of comfort, right? Yeah. And so many of us, unfortunately, men are isolated, man. Yeah. We don't we don't have that community. We mm-hmm. don't have those people that we talk to. I mean, we have guys who can have a thousand contacts in their phone, but nobody to call when life gets hard. Yeah.
1: It's funny as you're talking about that I thought back to like when I was 18, 19, 20. And when you're hungover and alone, that's like the worst hangover. But when <laughs> I remember being hungover and I would be way worse hungover, but if I was hungover and I had two or three mates that were also hungover sitting on the couch with me, you're having fun. You're like, we're all in pain here. And mm-hmm. oh, this, is, this isn't mm-hmm. fun. And it actually applies to what you were saying in that when you've got people around you, it makes the suffering bearable. Mm-hmm. It makes the suffering bearable. And so- Again, PTSD. It's like, oh man, I'm not in this alone. I have a friend that's also struggling, and we can talk and connect. Oh, I'm not alone. Ah, okay, and that is really powerful, and it makes the suffering bearable. And you know, we are so lonely. Like, the, I think I think the average American has zero point nine close friends. So Hmm. the average out the close friends of all the Americans, so the average American has no close friends, none. Yeah. And that's really sad, you know, and men, men, especially are really lonely. Yeah.
0: Really lonely. How do we get men to open up? Like, how do we get them to say, you know what, man, I'm not okay. I have a t-shirt campaign going for modern man. It just says hashtag you good question mark. And it's kind of like that. I appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll send you the link. I'll, I'd be happy to send you a shirt, but like that'd be great. Right. It, it says you good. And the idea behind it is like, man, we don't ask each other if we're good. Mm. I mean, at the very, at the very least, it's hard for us to take that initiative and call someone when yeah. we need help. Yeah. But even when someone comes out and says, Hey man, are you good? I mm. sent this shirt to us, a bunch of friends and I said, Hey, tell me about the last time somebody asked you if you're good. And a lot of them said Last time somebody genuinely asked me if I was good, I answered, yeah, when I wasn't. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not even the fact that people aren't asking. Sometimes it's, we're not opening up, man. How do we get that to that point?
1: Yeah, I'm really passionate about this question and really passionate about this space. And did you see the UFC fighter, Patty Pimblett, and that's kind of going viral at the moment. And I was watching that. Yeah. I was watching that and then, I'm, and then I'm paying attention to social media and everyone's fucking posting it, right? And I'm like- you know what the, the solution to this question, the answer is, is it's no longer a, like awareness is great. And I 100% agree with the messaging. And I reposted and I was like, wow, what a powerful message. You obviously fight a world platform. Awesome. But the most powerful part of that that speech, I think it might've been in the post fight interview. We did another interview and it might've been in that one. because there was two clips going viral, but the most important part of that was when he talked about his own struggles. Mm. That was the most important part because, and I got it, Again, I was watching and I was getting angry watching people post because I'm like, you don't fucking open up. You don't open up. You don't open up. You're not talking about your shit. So now, with the increase in mental health awareness, what it's actually created is a culture of, hey, you guys should open up, but I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. And so the answer, how do we get more men to open up? It's this. It's conversations like this and real men talking about their things and then using their platform for good, but then actually talking about their struggles in their circles. So like, you know, I call my friends up. Hey, man, what's going on, brother? I haven't heard from you. You're good. I like that. You're good. Um, <laughs> and yeah, mate. Yeah, mate, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? If I know he's bullshitting, I'm not going back. I might once or twice, but if he's really stubborn, obviously ask me back, how are you going? I'll tell him how I'm going and and even if I feel better, even if it was a week ago I wasn't feeling good, even if it was like three weeks ago I wasn't feeling good, I'll tell him what I went through. I'm like, yeah, man, like life's been pretty stressful at the moment, brother, and bills are piling up and clients are a bit slow this year and got a kid on the way and fuck man i'm 28 like new new partner man mm-hmm. like life's pretty tough brother but you know i'm i'm doing okay i really appreciate you asking me that but yeah man i, I am struggling a little bit yeah 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 what, what about you dude like talk to me what's going on with you i guarantee you, you do that maybe not the first conversation maybe not the second conversation but there will be a conversation when now he will come back to you and say yeah man actually now that you mention it I'm again, I'm going through something similar. This is what's going on. And so vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so we don't need more people posting to social media about awareness. We need real people having conversations in their day-to-day lives and leading with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Hey, he's struggling. I'm going to talk to him about my struggles. He will then come to you or she will come to you and talk to you about their struggles afterwards. Because that's how we operate as human beings. We need to feel safe to open up. And if you're just going, how are you? How are you? How are you? It's like, man, leave me the fuck alone. I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? Whereas it's like, Hey man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. It's like, Oh dude, I am too. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, it's all about yeah. going first and you know a lot of us as men we we love to lean into our leadership and and yeah. how can we lead and you know and that's why you know one of the pillars with modern man we we talk about our values and the values being integrity, growth and strength and vulnerability because there's so many of us who walk around and I've used this analogy in an essay that I shared with my personal journey with with mental health where I landed in the hospital trying to keep a facade of I had everything Mm. under control, but my stress and anxiety had an autoimmune disease flare up that almost had me lose my large intestine. So wow, I end up talking about a suit of armor, right? And the thing about a suit of armor, we like to walk around like there's no vulnerabilities and it's clean, but a clean suit of armor has never been to battle. Yeah, I like that. And if I'm trying to figure out how to survive in this battle called life, And I'm about to get scrappy. I don't want the dude with the clean suit of armor. I want the dude that has the dinks, the cuts, the dents and everything. And is still standing. And like, bro, how did you survive? Because that's the reality of we walk around with this clean suit of armor being like, hey, are you good? And of course, I'm good with you walking with that pristine suit of armor. But kind of like that. I love the Marvel movies. You, You see the Captain America movie when he's like, or the Avengers movie. Where he's in that rubble and all beat up, and he looks up at the camera and salutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but like love it. That, but that's the kind of thing like us, us as men need to do is like, man, I'm beat up. Yeah, I'm out here bruised. I'm bloodied. Mm-hmm. I'm still in and this I'm fight.
1: Still going. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm still in this fight,
1: and that's the shift is that we associate. So back to what I was saying before. So we associate vulnerability as weakness, mm-hmm. and what's the worst thing we can be as men is weak, less mm-hmm. than a man so that's why particularly men have an issue being vulnerable is we associate vulnerability with being with being weak and so we actually need to rewire the content no man you're vulnerable you're strong and there's a really great quote by Alaric Hutchinson I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right but vulnerability really means to be strong and secure enough within yourself that you are able to walk outside without your armor on you are able to show up in life as just you that is is genuine strength and courage. Mm -hmm. Armor may look tough, but all it does is mask insecurity and fear. And I think that's a powerful quote, again, for men in particular, because if you want to be strong, talk to me about your shit. That shows true strength. Hey, man, how you doing? Good, how are you? You, That's not strength. Hey, man, how you doing? Not good, bro. Can I tell you about it? Yeah, bro, let's talk. That takes strength, you know? And so the armor that you talk about, and it's not from a place of like, Men, you're fucking up and you're not doing it right and hurry up. It's like, no, no, man, I've been there. I've been there, brother. I've, I've fucking been there and I've fought that fight and that's not the fight you want to fight. Mm-hmm. The bravado, the, the false sense of masculinity, these ideas, I need to make money, I need to fuck women, and I'm a man. I need to be good at sport. I need to fight people. You know, No, man, that's not what it means to be a man. You know, And really shifting that conversation to like, dude, I've been there. I've been in a psychologist office, getting diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I've been there six, you know, my worst moment, 20, a couple bad moments, you know, but like 18 mm-hmm. years old, finding out my best friend, slept with my girlfriend and like breaking me. Oh, man. And then because I didn't deal with my shit. That then led to me hurting so many more people, which then led me to ultimately hurting myself because I then created this belief system that I was a bad person because of the bad things I was doing to others when really I was just really hurt. I was stuck at an 18-year-old body, really hurt from a bad betrayal, but it really led me down a real bad path and I hurt other people. And then I was like, I'm a bad person. And then because I'm a bad person, I then acted like a bad person. And it was like this real bad thing. So, it's like I've been there and why didn't I address my shit at 18? Because it was really fucking hard Mm. and I wanted to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and I wanted to sleep with the good looking girl on the weekend because that'll make me feel good for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Another good quote that I love, it's like, all of man's problems lies in his inability to sit in a room alone with his own thoughts. And I'm <laughs> like, fuck, that's so true, you know, yeah, yeah. so
0: true. I mean, the, one of the hardest things I had to start doing was looking in the mirror for a prolonged period of time. And when I say prolonged period of time, not just to brush your teeth, because you're probably thinking about your day or something like that, or, or, you know, not just washing your face. I'm talking about stop, looking in the mirror and look at who you've become. Mm right? Mm. And accepting who that person is in perfections and all, and knowing that you're a work in progress and loving yourself, right? That's, that's the hardest thing because Mm. you mentioned where like, you know, we, we get this thought process, like, am I a good person? Am I a good person? Am I a good person? And then we think we're less than a good person. So we then act in that realm, which reinforces the, that false identity over and over again, when sitting down with our thoughts, sitting down with ourselves, and then looking in the mirror and actually facing the reality of who we've become. Mm -hmm. And and the thing is, I didn't like everything I was unpacking. I didn't like everything I found, but in order to find out how messy my house was, I had to open that door and spend time in it. And that's when the cleanup process began. Yeah. And
1: that's really an uncomfortable process too. Yeah, You know, and it gets worse before it gets better because now you're actually having honest conversations with yourself for the first time mm-hmm. and you might not like what you have to say and that's powerful and it's hard. And so it's a battle as well. Even it's like, oh, I'm doing the work. It's like, yeah, man. And it's going to get worse and <laughs> harder now because what do we like, what do we do? when we start doing the work. We start dropping away like for me, right? Okay. Um, women was my like crutch. I was, I was just like, How, what, what makes me a man? I can sleep with any woman. I walk into a room and I can go you and, and end of the night, I'm with you. Like that was, I'm a man now. And realizing that like, man, that's all my masculinity is, like that's not good. So, okay, what do I need to do? I need to remove that. And the last six months has been like, I've been in the biggest trial by fire of my life. So mm-hmm. last year met my beautiful partner, A month later, I was always leaving Australia. So a month later, I left to America and we said our goodbyes. And it was like this beautiful, like, I love you. If the universe has plans to bring us together, if God has plans to bring us together, he will. Mm -hmm. I I release you. Like, I love you. Bye. A month later, like so excited to speak to her. How are you? I'm pregnant. Okay. Right. Mm. Okay. Now what are we going to do? Figuring out we're going to keep the baby. You're going to fly out to Hawaii. We're going to live in Hawaii together. We're going to come together. Brand new relationship, six months of like, okay, I thought I was a man because I could sleep with women. That's now completely gone. I am no longer sleeping with any woman but my partner, right? That's gone. Uh, Move across the world, no friends, no no social group. That's gone, right? Hey, guess what? We're also going to not give you a lot of clients this year and you're not going to be making a lot of money. That's gone. And we're going to give you more bills than you've ever had to pay in your life and a partner that you need to take care of and a baby that's on the way. Fuck me, God, universe. What am I doing? Can you relax? Can you yeah. chill out? Just give me a second here, right? Yeah. So I've been going this trial of fire. And the reason it's so hard is when I felt bad about myself, I couldn't just go and fuck someone. When I felt bad about myself, I just couldn't call up my boys and go for drinks, right? I had to sit with that stuff and go, oh, I don't feel good. And what am I going to do about it? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go for a run. Okay, I'm going to meditate. Okay, I'm going to journal. Okay, I'm going to cry. Okay, I'm gonna call up one of my friends and have a good conversation with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And then so it does get so those doing the work, like it gets worse. It does, because you're you're pulling away everything that used to make you feel good, and now you have to sit in the discomfort of the reality of your life. And maybe that's not a good reality, but yeah, you now can create a new reality from that place.
0: Yeah. And, and that new reality is we've said it in, on a previous episode, the old you has to die in mm-hmm. order for the new you to live. Yeah, And we have to let that go. We have yep. to let that go. And, and I, man, I appreciate you being transparent on that journey because so many men go through that, right? So mm-hmm. many men go through that identities. Like I see her, I want her, I'm gonna go get her, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. I make a lot of money. I drive a fast car. I have beautiful women what what makes you think i'm not a man yeah yeah and the reality is is kind of like what you mentioned before those positive male role models someone who we look up to who who has maybe the strength that we hope to exude in our lives that confidence that we hope that leadership for them to look back down on you and be like you know what man no that's that's not the true true mark of leadership some yeah. of the men i've had i have recently in my life that i've looked up to as mentors they've been in long standing marriages. And I'm like, bro, how do you make that work? How do Mm. you come? Like we, we used to think, right. Like the mark of a man was, was conquering and going here, going there, but the dedication and the commitment to growing one's business or staying in your marriage and, and holding down the household as best as you can through the ups and the downs, the reception, the pandemics, all this, right. Yeah. And still be steadfast in that, man, mm. if that becomes a new display of strength that we didn't even know, suddenly, yeah. I mean, you tell me if <laughs> the ironic thing, because I'm, I'm in a journey where recently married, moved to a new city, my wife going back to school, kind of laying on on my income for these next six months or so while we kind of get her through school and everything. And it's kind of looking at the reality of what we used to think made us men. If you tell me to go back to going to the bars, drinking and sleeping with women, that was easy compared <laughs> easy, to bro. what we're doing e- now. <laughs> e- easy, yeah, man, a hundred percent,
1: hundred percent. And it's a, because you're like, okay, well, what's the solution? And I, I go, cause of my work and I, and I want to eventually work with athletes in America. Like I really want to get into the college system and start working with athletes just because it might bring in Australia, but also with the work I do now. And I look at and I go, okay, So what's the number one value in society right now? Would you guess? Like top values in society right now. Money, bro. Most money. Yeah. All we care about is money now. And we we reward bad behavior a lot of the time, or we ignore bad behavior as long as you get money, or as long Mm -hmm. as you have that that value. So it's a really interesting conversation, especially in America, because Australian athletes, the best athletes in Australia make a, a million maybe a million and 250 grand. That's like the best. So like, they're like our celebrities. They're like our LeBron James is like on a million dollars. So his ego, he doesn't have a real big ego. He's a pretty humble guy. Like most businessmen are making more money than him. He's just an athlete that kicks a football and he knows that. And that's really in Australian culture. It's like, man, I just kick a football around like, I'm disciplined and yeah, all this stuff, cool. I'll be a role model. I mean, I'm famous. But in America, man, like you guys are getting paid $40, $50 million a year, $100 million a year. And these guys, and they are the role models, whether they want to be or not, they're role models because they're in the public eye. And they're not good role models. Like look at music today. Like I grew up listening to Eminem and 50 Cent. I love hip hop. I love rap. But you're like, from a role modeling point of view. The only thing you could say is like, okay, maybe I'll look at his work ethic and maybe I'll take out his work ethic, but the rest, I'm not touching the rest. Mm -hmm. And that's okay to do that and go, man, like he's got a good work ethic. What's he talking about work ethic? But if I hear him talking about dating and women, it's like, bro, you rap about fucking bitches and like, no, I'm not not trying to, I'm not trying to get advice, relationship advice from you because you're probably not happy either. Yeah. So I, I use an example. I'm like, okay, if I've got a if I want to make a lot of money or or I want to have a good life, and I reach out and I get myself a billionaire mentor, but he's miserable, but he's got a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. He can't teach me anything but how to be a miserable billionaire.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: it. Because if he knew otherwise, he would be otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. So as a society, we've put the most like women are selling their bodies online. Why? For money. You take money, you don't do it. So you don't, and it's, I'm, I said this in another podcast and I got a lot, it got posted to TikTok and I got a lot of, a lot Uh-oh. of <laughs> kickback on this, but I was like,
0: don't get me canceled. No, please. Yeah, don't get me
1: canceled, man. <laughs> you can cut this out if you don't want to get canceled. But yeah. I was saying like, if you want to make money by selling your body and you, and you're actually saying like, I'm doing this because I make lots of money. And that's what you're saying. Okay, cool. You're understanding it more than others, but, there's this weird push on like, it's empowering. I feel empowered doing it. It's, uh, it's female empowerment. It's like, take away the money. Would you do it? No, it's not empowering. Like, I don't go and work. Like, and then because some comments were like, that's what a job is. Like you you do it because you make money. Yeah, but if I'm working at McDonald's, I'm not telling my mates, oh, man, I'm really empowered going to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, I'm going to McDonald's because I need money and I've got to pay my bills. That's why I work there. Yeah. So I'm happy. you like, hey, you want to do this? Go and do it. That's not my point. My point is it's not female empowerment because the reason I, I am even talking about it is because, like, there are little girls that are looking up to these women. They're 12, 13, 14, and they're going, oh, my gosh, I can take photos of... Of myself naked and make millions of dollars. Wow! Mm. But they don't understand. Well, what's the downside to this? Mm. Well, what kind of men are you attracting into your life? Like, what's what? Longer term, yes, you've got money, but what are you now lacking as a result of this? Right? What are you and, sacrificing? And so for what are you that? sacrificing? Yeah, yeah,
0: because a lot of people, you know, when you see a job title, right? Sure, can a job title itself be empowering? You give me the title of CEO. That might feel empowering. I might make a lot of money in that, but the, the reality is we're holding on to an identity based on the title. If you take yeah. the title away, do I no longer feel empowered? It's us yeah. putting our stock and, and our emotion and really our self, our self-worth into mm-hmm. the wrong things. We're putting it yeah. into the wrong value system, as as you mentioned, yeah. people valuing the wrong thing. Wrong. You know, this is and, an amazing conversation, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh. I want to end on one thing. Give me one please, more bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a good quote, by I think it's Will, not Will Farrell. What's the comedian that went a little bit off? Not Will. Is it? Oh, shoot. Uh, is it Jim Will? Carrey. I don't know oh, why Jim I thought Carrey. Bill. Jim Carrey. Jim okay. a good quote by Jim Carrey. And he says, like, if only I could give everyone the money that they would desire, something like that. This. If only I could give everyone the money that they wanted, because that's what it would take for them to realize that money isn't the answer. That's not where happiness lies. And mm. I love that because I've got, I'm really fortunate, man. I've got some good, i got a good network, good people around me. And I was speaking to a good friend of mine who runs a $100 million company. And he calls me up and he's like, man, I'm so jealous of you, bro. Like, look at the life. Like, man, I'm always thinking about it. Like, do I need to, and he's got a family, he's a bit older than me. He's got a family, 10, 12-year-old. And he's like, man, like I just really, am I like, doing the right thing or And I'm like, dude, like, I feel you and know I'm here for you. But, like, we've all got our shit, brother. Like, yeah, my life looks good on Instagram like because I'm posting. But, like, you know, man, like, I look at your life, I like, $100 million company sounds pretty damn good, bro, you know? Yeah. And we're, like, joking. And I'm like, so here he is with, again, this has been such a good theme of the podcast, but what society tells you you should have. You should have money and a job and be really wealthy. Doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Like this dude's real nice guy. Really like he's family orientated, but he's he's struggling. He's got a yeah. hundred million dollar company, and you're like, you think your problems will be solved if you just chase money? If anything, you know, money just money can amplify problems, or, or it can reveal different problems, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a big believer of of the values, role modeling values, and pre-internet, who are your role models? Just the people in your community because you didn't have access to. These TikTokers and YouTubers and these idiots online that make lots of money, sure, but they're not good role models.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We need some some good role models out there. Yeah. And, and Dylan, yeah. I appreciate you doing the work to be one and and helping men through their journey with masculinity. And I would love to offer the audience an opportunity to connect with you, follow you, and use your services if it works out for them as well. So please, how can folks get in contact with you and and follow some links? Yeah. So my
1: website is www.dylanrooscoaching.com. And how you spell my name is D-Y-L-A-N-R-O-O-S. And then follow me on Instagram, dylan.roos. I try to be as active as I can in there. I'm posting all the time. Uh, I'm pretty accessible too. Like if you DM me, I'm checking my request box Mm-hmm. daily so i'm pretty easily accessible and yeah man i really appreciate the work you're doing brother i just i just click your follow on instagram too man if i'm ever in north yeah. carolina let's grab a grab a feed and if you ever if you do make it out to hawaii man yeah us a buzz
0: give us a shout absolutely man dylan i appreciate the time and i'm going to recap some of the gems That you left along the way, just in case some, some folks listening, they don't have a pen and paper ready. They might be cleaning, driving or anything like that, but we need a blueprint. We said before, you know, no man is a template, but we could take a little bit from so many and we build our own avatar by taking the best of those around us in our community and in our surroundings good male role models needing someone to model ourselves after and here's the thing a lot of young people a lot of young boys do this no matter what we find someone we can identify with and we follow in those footsteps whether good or bad i'm going to have to check out the book from boys to men mm. i want to be a man so many of us live with that growing up like i just i want to be a man and unfortunately when we feel like it's robbed from us taken from us or we have this grip at exuding manhood we have what could be seen as that that wounded masculinity as we, we are hurt and we are hurting other people because we haven't yet healed ourselves so doing that doing that work which will mean getting uncomfortable comfort being the disease so many are holding on to we deal with reality by leaning into websites drugs substances and and women and things like that to try and get through the reality of of what's actually happening in the world, but those don't fix our problems, makes the suffering bearable is what I wrote down. You go first. So many of us want more vulnerability in the world. So many of us, we talk about mental health. How can we get more men to open up? Do so by opening up first in your group, in your interactions with others, being that first person to take that step. You are then being a leader, exuding strength. And of course you show true strength by, of course, being vulnerable. And when you do that journey, the reality, the warning, the disclaimer, it gets worse before it gets better. But I can tell you, it certainly does get better. Guys, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate the time as well, Dylan. Thank you for joining us from Hawaii. And for anybody who made it to the end, the best compliment you can give us is by sharing this with somebody you think can benefit from this episode as well. Hit that subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week. Make sure you leave a rating to let us know how we are doing. The only way we improve is by you letting us know where we're falling short. And of course, we are rooting for you to get to that next level in your life. And if you need help or assistance doing so, be sure to reach out to Dylan or myself, and we'd be happy to help you along that journey. We appreciate you guys. And as we always say here at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get that pleasure without first that pain. Let's grow.